Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Your Successful Solutions, a podcast where we show you how to make action your greatest habit. Today we have Richard Colligan, who intentionally likes to go by Dick because he's a comedian and an actor. He also does a very professional career, and this is one of his side things. I became good friends with Richard or Dick. <laughs> through a couple local groups that we go by and I've helped him on some photo shoots and doing some of his own material and then he was nice enough to come on the show so enjoy it it's a good laugh and it's cool because you get the insight behind how comedians work and the practicalities and a little bit more of the functions that you think with when you're a comedian so it's a nice takeaway on that level because most people just hear comedy. I listen to comedy on a regular basis. I know other people do as well. And you don't know the work that goes into it. All you see is the presentation of the thing. And so believe it or not, there's actually a, a whole thing that goes on behind the scenes, which you'll find out about as you listen to this episode. Before we get into it, I'm going to mention my habits course. It's really nice to take it because it's giving you an idea of how to break down your day-to-day -day goals, habits, success items that you'd like to have, and it turns it into a lifestyle. Commonly what happens is we don't have the structures built up into our days that allow us to really get after what we want, and when you can just change these small little things throughout your day, you end up with these very long-term results that completely changes your life. So the thing that I look at when I see habits and the thing that will help you understand habits more too is a habit is a lifestyle change. It's not about brushing your teeth or knowing how to tie your shoes faster or how to get to work a little bit quicker. It's a change in your life. So if you want that change of life, that better lifestyle, that maybe it's, it's being in shape or having the money or etc., this will give you the fundamentals, the smaller pieces of it to then get towards that thing you're really after. So enjoy the show. You can find out my course on iantolson.com. That's my first name, last name.com, which will be in the show notes below. You can check it out there. And other than that, have a good rest of your day and enjoy. Cheers. Mr. Dick Colligan, how are you? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> you're so welcome. I'm so pumped you're here. This is going to be so fun. Uh, so tell us, man, where are you originally from? Uh, I'm a, I'm a Northeasterner by heart. Okay. Um, I grew up in Connecticut and New York yeah. City. Um, I have to tell people New York City because when you don't live in New York City, no one knows what I'm talking about. Okay, right. Um, and, uh, I, I grew up there, went to school around there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most of my comedy and material and stuff is like New York based. Okay. Um, you know, there's plenty of material, obviously. Oh God! <laughs> in a city like that. Yeah, I've heard that's one of the weirder cities of all places to be. I don't uh -huh. 
know if I could say that because okay. I haven't been to all the cities. Oh, but I see. Of the cities I've been, it's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a maybe more favored experience or story that comes from that place? Man, I mean, there's so many. Like, <laughs> uh, God, there have been times like, you know, just walking down the street, people, you know, talking about like, it's funny because when you don't live in a, in a major city, yeah, you see like movies and, and TV shows and you're like, oh, that's made up. You know okay, I mean? for sure. Like, you know, homeless people like, you know, throwing stuff at you and like screaming okay. or whatever. And people are like, oh, that's not real. It's totally real. Wow. <laughs> that's a legit thing. Yeah. Okay. So that happens a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I know guys who've just been like mugged randomly wow. on the street. Like some dude comes out from the side of, from an alley. Yeah. Punches them in the side of the head. Oh my gosh. Knocks them out, takes all their like wow. shit and then runs off. I mean, thankfully it never happened to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's, I've seen like rats as big as, you know, like house cats. Really? <laughs> not, maybe not quite that big. But like pretty big. But like sizable. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm probably making it sound way worse than it is. It's, uh, you know, I lived there for a long time. My, my dad used to live there, Okay. you know, back in like the early 2000s, uh, you know, when it was still a little more gritty. Okay. And, um, you know, so I've been around there for a long time. I used to go in for, you know, sports events and, and sure. stuff like that. And uh, so I've kind of seen it evolve over the years and it's definitely become more gentrified. I mean, people now, I mean, compared to like the 70s, it's Disneyland. Oh, you know really? what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's like nice and fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> fun, fun, fun being a, a relative term, but right. um, uh -huh. it's it's wild. You know, people go there. Every time I talk to people from New York, you hear either two reactions. It's either, oh man, it's the greatest city in the world. Okay. Or I fucking hate that place. I could never live there. Right. <laughs> right. And it, you know, whenever you ask them, it's the reason usually is because like, well, you were there for a week. You know, oh, or five days okay yeah. so you have no idea what you did right? right all you did was like get in a cab yeah and go from like the empire state building to like you know the world trade center to okay you know um Saks fifth avenue yeah to the madison square garden okay and then okay. you went back to spokane you know what i mean right so it's like just a whirlwind tour so if you actually spend more time there yeah you know it takes a long time to 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 get your bearings and, and sure. see, what's, see what's out there. Oh gosh. Yeah. I feel like going to any new location, there's a time frame, and it isn't like five days. It's like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Or two months. Dude, even the first couple of like weeks that I lived there. Yeah. I didn't know where anything was. Sure. I mean, taking the subway, that's like, Oh, you got to like get a PhD in like yeah. know, geography to figure that one uh -huh. out. Cause there's, you know, 10 different lines. Yep. They've got all different colors half of them are shut down half the time Okay, and <laughs> getting rerouted. <laughs> so even when you think you figured out where you're supposed to go, you didn't. You go to the train, someone gets on and sounds like Charlie Brown right, telling you that you right. got rerouted. Uh, J train. Uh, and then you, you know, you end up in like Queens. <laughs> sick. So it's, um, it's an experience. Yeah. 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 That's cool though. I'm glad that you were able to get through it. Like how is it for you transitioning from New York? To Florida in comparison, it's great. I mean, New York now is you know a, a, like a dystopian hellscape. <laughs> so wow. I'm not. I mean, you know, everything's closed, and you know, yeah, dystopian meaning meaning like 
the opposite of it. It's, it's like a, it's like the Kurt Russell movie from like 1987. <laughs> okay, Escape from New York. Okay, get the out John of there. Movie. Yeah. yeah, where they have to like Isaac Hayes has to like bust him out, and then they gotta like go in and like take out the commies or something. After. But uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, when I when I came down to Florida, uh-huh. I was leaving. Uh, I was leaving New York. I was going to JFK Airport. Okay. And normally, uh, you can just take a bus out there. Okay. But they had closed Central Park because oh. of all the riding that right. was going on. Okay. So I couldn't go through the park. So I couldn't get to the bus. Yeah. So I had to take a cab. I had to go through Harlem. Uh, and Harlem was a mess. Wow. I mean, stores were boarded. Uh, you know, there was nobody out there. It looked like uh-huh. a movie scene. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I felt like Kurt Russell in Escape from New York. Wow. Yeah. I was just mm-hmm. missing a gun okay that's it that was all <laughs> otherwise that's all that, you needed otherwise that was me <laughs> and you know as i was driving through there i'm like this is not even real wow it was just it was completely bizarre so i felt like i was in an action movie cool that's what the transition was like that sounds fun <laughs> nice man well yeah. cool thanks for telling us that how did you get into acting and the comedian and the comedian work uh well you know with my name the jokes just kind of write themselves cool so just a natural transition really yeah um i was actually at a wedding uh and i'd always loved stand up but i was at a wedding and i did a toast for a friend of mine yeah and uh i killed nice and um so you know afterwards everyone was you know a lot of people come up to me and like dude like do you do like stand up like have oh, you wow. ever done that like you, you try that and i hadn't and i never really even thought about it i mean i always liked it um uh-huh but when I got back to New York, uh, you know, it took about six months. I just started writing stuff. Okay. You know, just stuff that would come to me and random observations. And, um, you know, I just wrote everything down. Cool. And uh, <clears throat> eventually I had probably half an hour of material. Wow. And so I was like, all right, let me, uh, let me try it out. You know, being in New York, right, there's probably more comedy clubs than any city in the world cool um, uh-huh so i went up one night and um i brought my my girlfriend at the time yeah because uh, i really wanted to embarrass myself <laughs> <laughs> and make sure i had a witness All right um uh-huh. and uh so we got there and i i went up and i remember right before going up and I'd always liked public speaking and I never really had any issue with yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I'd done, you know, I like theater in school, you know, as a kid and stuff. So I, I knew the stage and I liked being up there uh-huh. and I liked speaking, but I remember right before going up, <laughs> just this gut reaction of like, holy shit, what am I doing? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, cause it's totally different. I mean, you don't have any, uh, any support. Okay. There's no, there's no, no one to catch you if you fall, right? You're, you're walking without a net on a, on a tightrope. Okay. And, um, so I didn't really think about all that <laughs> until, okay. you know, that 30, moment. 30 seconds before I'm supposed oh, to get on sick. stage. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I went up there uh-huh. and I think I got two laughs the entire time. Yeah. For in how five, long? In five minutes. In five minutes. Okay. Which, you know, five minutes to you and me talking right now yeah you know is nothing right five minutes on stage by yourself with a mic feels like an hour for sure (laughs) 
So I remember, I remember getting through my first joke and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about how you're supposed to do stand up. Okay. Right? I'd watched a bunch of stand up and I was like, all right, I think I can do this. Right. And, um, you know, I got up there and my first joke didn't hit. Okay. And then my second joke didn't hit. Okay. And I was, it, it I thought I was like in a boxing ring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Trying to land punches where nothing's working. Okay. And there's a moment where <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is, this could be a huge mistake. <laughs> and, and luckily I started to, I started to kind of figure it out. Okay. You know, and, and um, the next, the next joke actually hit. And that's, Good. and that's when I was like, okay, I get it. Right. And okay. then I, I just, I sort of just like, got through the rest of the set, you know, okay. Um, as best as I could, but, but that moment where you're, I mean, you're bombing. There's no other, right, way, right. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. 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 Um, uh -huh. I've never experienced that before. Wow. And I was completely unprepared. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds silly. Cause like, you're probably not going to slay your first time. Sure. <laughs> right. Um, but I got through enough where I was like, okay, it was like, I got, I got the high, you know what I mean? Ooh. I got the, I got the feeling, the buzz. You know, I got the buzz. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to feel that again. You know? And I, I figured out that, um, you know, there's a difference between what I think is funny. And the audience thinks is funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. And sometimes there's a big difference. Right. I know what you're talking about. And I remember going up there <laughs> so confident that I had written this great material. Okay. You know, and I'm like, oh man, it's just going to be killer yeah and i get up there and it just falls flat for the first you know two minutes that's a long time it's on a stage. really long time yeah it's a really long time and especially when you know when you, there's just silence you know what i mean and um so i remember that feeling and i was like wow okay between what i think is good and what they think is good okay and in that time i figured out okay here's right here's how it works right okay. here's here's the formula here's the uh, here's the sort of like tone right that people people will mm -hmm. will embrace yeah will echo yeah and you know i didn't figure it all out in the first five minutes but sure. i i figured out enough to come back to it and then i didn't i didn't go up again for for like four or five months actually really yeah i i broke up with the girl uh, over the show no <laughs> i bombed so hard she didn't want to talk to me anymore she, she walked out before i and finished. that was it yeah it was over before it started good um <laughs> no we, we we broke up uh probably i don't know six months after that and i i took it really hard i mean I, it okay. was it was horrific i was like sure shattered dude i'm sure like wait over the relationship or the mic thing <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both <laughs> okay so the two most, are of, most of the relationship <laughs> okay the okay. mic thing i thought i could fix <laughs> um okay but you know i didn't i didn't really it was funny because i didn't i didn't want to go back up there mm. uh because i kind of it kind of reminded me of the, uh, oh yeah of and okay. um sure and uh so I, I didn't do it for probably six or eight months afterwards really and i just remember you know it like took a long long time for me to because i wasn't really planning on 
it was just something I wanted to try out. Right. And, sure. I, and I, I tried it and I was like, I, I think I like it, but, yeah. but I, there was so much, so many different emotions going on uh, after that period. Okay. I didn't really feel comfortable like getting on stage sure. and trying to be like funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it didn't yeah. feel funny. No. So finally, uh, you know, six months or eight months later, I got to the point where I was like, all right, I can, uh, I can do this again. Cool. You know what I mean? Cool. And part of it was I had written a lot of stuff. Okay. Right? And then, you know, uh -huh. it took, I don't know. Yeah. It took about five or six months where I started dating again. Right. Okay. After the breakup. Interesting. And so I started writing all this, um, all this dating material. Oh, nice. Which I really liked. And, um, Wait, comedy dating? Material? Yeah, yeah, oh, nice, yeah. nice. Just pick up lines. Yeah, and um, and and I went up there, and it was a little bit cathartic, you know. Cathartic it, meaning meaning like it was uh, a very sort of like emotional kind of experience. Uh. And the other great thing about it, and you know, it's true of like an open mic, is you know, you do your your set or your bit. Yeah. And then you watch everybody else. Okay. So I would be down there and, you know, people would blow me away. And oh. I was always, always shocked by how funny people were. Wow. And so even if like my stuff wasn't good yeah. or I didn't have a good night, you know, I met people and, cool. you know, they would kill. Nice. And I'd learn from them. Nice. You know what I mean? And I okay. met, I met tons of people that way that were just awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so it was like, there was a community aspect to it, yeah. right? And and a shared learning experience. And so that was all really cool because, uh -huh. you know, I got to, I got a chance to sort of explore what I was dealing with, yeah. right? With other people uh -huh. in a way that, um, that was fun. That's you know? cool. Okay. And, uh, and so even if, even if I bombed, yeah. you know, some good will come out of it. Okay, sick. It's the learning material, educational experience all at the same time. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Would, you, would you recommend other people to go and do it simply for the experience? People ask me that a lot. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I honestly, <laughs> you know, people recommend, I don't know why they do this. I think it's a terrible idea, but people recommend uh -huh. doing stand up to improve like your public speaking. Okay there are way less risky ways to prove public speaking if that's what you want. Oh do. yeah, for sure. Because isn't it <laughs> like, I mean, with public speaking, you're like, if you have a point and you're addressing something specific, it's not like you're trying to impress the crowd, right? You're yeah. just trying to do a presentation and say, exactly. this is what I found in comparison to comedy where you're like, you have to make them laugh. Right. And by the way, when you're doing public speaking, 90% of the people aren't paying attention to you anyway. Right. So you could completely bomb <laughs> and the reaction would be the same. You would never right. know. Yeah. It's not like you wrote a bunch of bits yeah. to go do before like, you know, your staff meeting and they didn't hit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you want to learn public speaking, go take a public speaking class. Right. Would be a better use of your time. Totally. Probably. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who do comedy sound like they're trying to do public speaking. Funny. <laughs> they're very, very different. Um, okay. Very different approaches. But I, I think if you like, if you, if you want to see if you are really funny, uh -huh. that's the way to do it. Oh, There's no real other way because, you know, you could, 
you might be funny at a party, you know, and you might yeah. be funny at your job. Right. Right. Um, or in your family. <laughs> but like I said, and I found out <laughs> the hard way, the hardest way possible, what you think is funny and what your friends think is funny, right? Cause your friends are, are tend to be similar to you in some respects, right? right? Like, They're like a warmer crowd. You guys have some kind of shared uh-huh. reality. Yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. you know? that's probably why you're friends, right? right? If you guys didn't have anything in common yeah. and didn't like any of the same stuff, the chance of you being friends is pretty low. Right. So that group is sort of self-selected to okay. like your material. Yeah. Right. You going up in front of 25 strangers and, and a comedy open mic is the hardest audience you will ever face because comics are not there to laugh. They're there to do their material. Okay. And they don't, particularly care <laughs> what what you have to say they're not paying to see you okay uh they're there to practice it's like going to the gym okay right okay you don't go to the gym to watch other people work out not at all you go to the gym to work out and get out as fast as you possibly can totally right an open mic is kind of like that okay and comics are generally funny people right, right. so the bar to impress them is a lot higher than oh. impressing a bunch of drunk people from boise Right. Uh, no offense. <laughs> no, no offense, Boise. Yeah, Idaho. I love Boise. <laughs> Great potatoes. <Yeah. laughs> but um, you know, so so you'll you'll never have a harder audience. And I figured this out because I did all these. I did open mics for like six months or maybe okay. even a year. Okay. Before I ever did a show, and it was so hard. <laughs> I mean, wow. it was so hard to get laughs. It was like you call it you call it pulling teeth, right? Jeez, is and uh, that's like the you know in the biz uh-huh. how we describe it. And um, I was just like, God, comedy's fucking hard. Really? Yeah. And then I did, and then I did like an actual show. Okay. And it was so much easier to get laughs. And I realized it was like, all right, that's because I've only been going up in front of comics. Uh, the bar is much higher. And it's way harder. Yeah. Going because, into a public area. Yeah. And then, you know, an actual, an actual show where people are paying to see you and be entertained yeah. is a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. So if you, I mean, if you want to like go through the ring of fire, uh, go do a comedy open mic and you'll find out if you're really funny. I mean, if you can make, if you can make comics laugh in an open mic, you could probably make anybody laugh. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying the show already. As a friendly reminder, I also pass out booklets that have to do with long-term happiness. So what happens is people who want to take the course on habits can do so, and then any money that they want to donate goes towards the supporting the show and these booklets that cause long-term happiness, proven to reduce crime rate, and overall are good solutions for life. I've read it many times, Richard has read it as well, and we both really like it. The Literally, the only thing I need at this point is the money. So if you guys have a big heart and you want to help out, it goes towards a very good cause. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the show. And you can find out more information on this over at iantolson.com. That's my first name, last name, .com. And you can check it out there. So have a good one, guys, and enjoy. Wow. Okay. If you can't, you might still be funny. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting you say that because I've tried to like share jokes with family members, with coworkers, and I felt like it's like, I felt like it was kind of like they were comics or something because they were never impressed. 
yeah. <laughs> it's like never could crack a smile with them, but I'm almost wondering if like I went to a random crowd of strangers, <laughs> if that might work better. There's a whole, you know, there's a whole ethos and the whole basically ecosystem that goes into a comedy performance. Interesting. You know, if you went out into a park on a Thursday afternoon yeah. with a mic uh -huh. and started telling jokes, okay, the response would probably not be what you hoped. Not at all. Right. Because everyone's doing their thing. Because they're not there to see you. Not right. At all. They're not they're not engaged. They're not they're not willing to laugh. I mean, when you do a show, people are paying for you to make them laugh. Right. You know what I mean? They're yeah. rooting for you. They want to they laugh. They want to have something you know I mean? from the experience. So uh -huh. you get that, you get the fact that, you know, half the time there are three sheets of the wind. You know, you, the two drink minimum is definitely your friend. <laughs> um, and you're in a room where the spotlight's on you. There are no distractions. Okay. People aren't on their phone. People yeah. aren't talking to their neighbor or on a call or anything like that. They're just focused on the performance. Right. So your odds of landing a joke are much, much better. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, you, you know, try, try to do material at like Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> <laughs> is a tougher bar than going up at a club. I mean, now having said that, people paying to see stand-up expect you to be funny, right? right. The bar's a little higher in that yeah, regard yeah, too. Yeah. So there's, there's some <laughs> counterbalancing effect, but, uh, generally speaking you have a better shot of making people laugh if you do it in a club versus in your backyard when your neighbor's trying to mow his lawn for sure it's i take it it has something to do with the intention of you sharing a communication and them receiving it and then responding off of yeah. that okay yeah exactly that makes a lot of sense yeah and you have their attention right uh, attention is a big thing in society right you're in you're in the podcast game right yeah. it's like you know <laughs> getting someone's attention uh -huh. in a crowded room right with how many other podcasts or how many other comics or how many other, you know, actors or shows, or, I mean, the, the audience is becoming more and more fragmented almost by the day. Oh, you what know? do you mean? Like sectioned off? Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, used to be, there were three networks. Okay. And everybody watched them. Right. right. And, and Ed Sullivan. Well, no, I mean like in the fifties, right. Oh. Like at the dawn of television. Right. Yeah. 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 Ed Sullivan got 27 million viewers. Oh my right. Gosh. Who watched the Beatles. Right. That's because there were one other show that night. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I see. Right. Your choices were like, you know, I love Lucy, <laughs> the Ed Sullivan show and <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. And that was right. All. And that right. was it on any given night. You know, now there, huh. now there is cable, right? Now there's right. not only networks, but cable there's, you know, over the top services, there's internet, there's YouTube, right? There's, TikTok, there, you know, yeah. there's so many different, so many different channels of communication to divert the audience's attention. So having someone's attention is a huge factor and a big accomplishment. Interesting. I like that. It makes a lot of sense too when you look at that. And I like when as soon as you said the Beatles and Ed Sullivan show, it's like that's probably why they were able to be so popular within the time frame that they took it because it was literally those three shows. Yeah. And and just speaking of stand up um uh -huh. before I forget I, my show coming up at the uh, Side Splitters in Tampa. Nice. Uh December 20th. Cool. Sunday before Christmas. Nice. Um so if people are in the area come check it out. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, thousands of people are flying <laughs> to Florida every single day. Right. Uh, to to avoid the the lockdowns up north. So if you're in the area, <laughs> December twentieth, six p.m. Sunday, come check me out, and uh, I'll be posting all the info on Dick Jokes Comedy. Nice on Instagram. Dick Jokes Comedy. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So you'll you'll see the details there. We'll have we'll have the links up there. You can go to sidesplitters.com. Uh, nice. <laughs> That's great. Man. I made that handle just for you. <laughs> oh, well, that's I knew it would kill. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So what would you say is one of your favorite parts about being a comedian? Um, the interaction with the crowd. Okay. There's nothing like it, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, it's a risk reward factor, Okay. you know, because like I said, you're up there and there's, there's no, there's no one to blame uh -huh. if it doesn't work. Okay. And there's no one to share the credit with if it does. Okay. You know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that you killed on that night or you bumped. Okay. And you know, the crowd, the crowd makes all the difference because I've done the same material in the same room okay on two different nights interesting and gotten completely different reactions wow killed one night did not kill the next night wow and it's just it's it's a it's a completely organic human interaction you know and there's nothing like it i mean it's similar like live music okay right or theater yeah. you know that 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 interpersonal relation you have between the audience and the performer uh-huh is unlike anything else and that's why people that's why people show up and that's why people are so drawn to that and that's why yeah. you know live experiences are outselling albums right today because people okay. want to people want to be there they want to experience it for themselves and you can watch a show on netflix and you can watch you know somebody special and um and you can laugh but being there in person yeah and and sharing that with other people uh -huh. and with the performer and or being up there yourself as you know as the comic um and you know finding your rhythm and getting in the groove is is unlike anything else wow it's a total it's a total rush cool. you know uh -huh. so that's that's my favorite part and the best part about it is you know doing stuff with the crowd right crowd work yeah yeah, yeah. because you can't fake that okay it's totally organic uh -huh. it's totally spontaneous and to me that's what that's how i judge a comic okay you know people can write great material yeah but can you be funny in a split second oh i see you know if somebody says something to you or you say something to somebody on stage you don't know how they're going to react right right and the way you respond that is like, are you just a naturally funny person? Oh, I see. Because right? they're great writers. Yeah. Um, but they're not always great comics. Right. Right. And a lot, I mean, Woody Allen, right, uh -huh. is a great one. Larry David, uh -huh. you know, when he was coming up. Um, Judd Apatow. I mean, yeah. There's so many unbelievable writers that, you know, started out doing stand-up, but found that they were better at writing. Interesting. Um and so that, that's where you really see, okay, does somebody have, does somebody have that sort of an innate kind of ability to make you laugh on the spot? And I find personally that 
that the stuff that happens in that moment yeah usually gets the biggest laugh out of the audience oh i see because you're actually connecting with them on the spot yeah because it's completely unscripted wow you know like when you're up there you know sometimes stuff can sound a little canned right okay, you, sure. could, you could tell all right this this person's been working on this for a while or you know yeah clearly they, they had this they had this plan but you know uh-huh. when someone shouts something from the audience they know how they're going to react and if, right. they can, if they if they nail it uh-huh then there's nothing better. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Do you feel like with the things you do and the interactions you have, have affected you on your own personal life as well? Like when you talk with people, do you feel like <laughs> what you've taken away from stage has also impacted the way that you connect with people in person? Yeah. I think comics are always working on material and, uh, uh-huh. There's nothing like, you know, that's what, that's what makes comics kind of different. Um, uh-huh. You know, you're always trying to work on stuff and you'll come up with a bit in a conversation <laughs> with someone and it doesn't land and you'll be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And, um, and I think that's the difference between comics is they just, they just look at things from a different viewpoint, Okay. you know, um, and they, they just find humor in every day, uh, in everyday life, you know? And so that's one of the, you know, one of the things when you start to explore that in yourself is you start to see it more, you okay. know, it's like, it, it's like a muscle, right. Uh-huh. That you, that you work or a, or a skill that you practice, you know what yeah. I mean? Okay. This could be a joke. Yeah. Right. Or that could be a joke. So I'm always, whenever I'm talking to people, a lot of times I'll come up with something and I just can't wait to try it out. Okay. And uh, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, you're you're still looking <laughs> for that. You're still looking for that reaction. Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't always happen. But when it when it works, it does. But cool. the other part of it is, um, uh-huh. you could see other people <laughs> <laughs> try to come up with stuff too at the same time. Oh, nice. You know, like when they're talking or someone someone tells a joke doesn't land. You're like, oh. You feel for it, you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh man, God, you almost had it. You went for it. I liked it. <laughs> so, so you you start to, you start to see things differently, and yeah. it starts to completely warp your view of the world. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Why is it that you take someone's how to phrase it like that? You have their written material and their non-written material. They're unscripted. Mm-hmm. parts why do you take their unscripted parts and see them as a comedian in that light versus the written material well definitely like if you're you know uh-huh. great comics have to be great writers you know nobody gets up there and wings it right for sure so they seem like they are and that's what makes them great right um but they don't okay and you know so that's a definite skill and that's tough to do but is somebody truly funny right uh-huh. i think the best way to see that is the way they react to something where they can't prepare oh i see you know they have no script there's right. nothing written there's no material there's no rehearsal there's no preparation yeah it's just someone says something and you react okay. i've always thought that's the funniest that makes sense you know, whenever i watch somebody and it's so funny because i've seen i've seen I've seen shows in basements uh-huh. of, you know, theaters that were better than anything I've watched on Netflix. Really? And I'll, I'll tell this story because it's it's one of my favorites and uh-huh. it's such a quintessential New York story. But I was um, 
I was on a date and we went to a, uh, a show at the Soho Playhouse okay. in Manhattan. Yeah. And there were five comics up okay. on stage. At the same time? Yeah. And they did this, they did this sort of like debate format. Okay. Which was, it was the funniest thing. <laughs> it was, I want to, I want to shout out all of them right now. Cause I, th- I still think these guys are the funniest people I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Reg Thomas, Napoleon Emile, uh-huh. uh, Matt Sofsky, yeah, and Adam Podell. Cool, cool. And I have never laughed harder. Wow. In my life. Yeah. And the funny thing was, like, a bunch of the people in the audience were, like, just wasted. Oh, nice. And I wasn't. And okay. I, I still laughed harder. Nice, <laughs> nice. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, from, from beginning to end, it was one of the funniest. It was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'd never heard of these guys. Okay. The person I was with had never heard of them. Yeah. You probably never. Have you ever heard of these no. guys? No. And they killed harder than I've ever seen. And wow. I've watched, you know, uh-huh. I've seen Seinfeld live. Wow. Um, I've seen Daryl Hammond. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen a bunch of comics and um the, the british dude whatever his name michael something michael mcintosh oh okay yeah. Yeah, yeah it was great i mean they're all hysterical but i've never ever laughed harder wow than watching these guys i that's mean cool. it was just crazy so that just that just shows the level of talent that's out there and level of ability but you know 95 percent of the stuff wasn't rehearsed oh wow you know it was just someone throw out a question They'd respond. Someone okay. will come back, and I mean, it was just unbelievable. The why it was an incredible, <laughs> just a tour de force. Um, and you know, when you watch something like that, you almost want to quit. <laughs> you know oh what I mean? wow, because yeah. they're so good. They're just yeah, they're so good, and it's just so natural. Wow, you know what I mean. So, um, but the cool thing was, you can you know, when you're at a show like that, you can go talk to them afterwards. So I okay, so I did, and uh, and they're the nicest guys ever. Nice, you know what I mean. So. It was like, it's one of those moments where you just, you could, that can only happen in a place like New York, you know okay. what I mean? Where, you know, it's, it's unbilled. I think it was either five bucks or free. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, uh-huh. you know, an unbelievable experience. And I think something that I, as a comic watching that was just unforgettable. Cool. Cool. Do you ever deal with hecklers? I've gotten heckled a couple of times. Um, uh-huh. I did a show one night. It was a Sunday night, 10 o'clock, uh, which is not prime time. Okay. As you may be aware. Sure. For all the, for all the programming directors out there, <laughs> people, who are, people who are not uh, scheduling for television, <laughs> 10 p.m. on a Sunday is not prime time. <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. and I remember doing, doing, doing my set and someone in the audience was just repeating what I was saying. Oh, in like a really sarcastic tone. Oh, great. <laughs> and the first couple of times I was like, all right, whatever. Sure. And, you know, it, <laughs> it, it started to get to me a little bit. Sure. And I was, I was fine, but it caught me off guard because it never happened before. Right. So the next time it happened, I was, I was at a show and, uh, and I was doing it and I asked a question and there were like a bunch of like South American people in the audience. Okay. And this is all my Instagram if people want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, and I was expecting like, 
one word response okay. or whatever. And then just kept going and going. And then I, you know, ended up riffing off what they were saying. Oh, funny. And it ended up being my favorite moment ever on stage. Nice. Right now. So were they heckling me? I don't really know. I mean, some people would say yes, okay. but it was, it was more good, good nature than what you typically think. But okay. you know, it's one of those things where you're not, you know, it's hard enough, right. Uh-huh. To deliver your set. Yeah. Uninterrupted. Okay. We got someone out there, you know, giving you flag <laughs> at the uh, same time at the same time <laughs> that's just like the added degree of difficulty but that's part of the fun you know what okay. i mean like i said it's like it's risk reward you know what I mean? that, that's what that can happen you never yeah. know what you're gonna get you never know who's gonna react um and you know sometimes that can that can work to your advantage and sometimes it doesn't right right wow do you have a favorite bit that you have off the top of your head by chance? <laughs> Um, uh-huh. I hate doing that on these because you have to like, it's not like plan for or prep. For <laughs> no, it, just because right? I don't want to like, I don't want to ruin the, the set. You um, should go, t- you could, you should go see him in live person yeah. over in Tampa. Side splitters. December Side 20, splitters. 6 PM. And that way you can catch all of the material. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's a two drink minimum for me to catch yours. <laughs> that's, that's the minimum. Um, as long as there's no maximum. <laughs> Yeah, no maximum. Bring as much as you want. The more the better. Right. Please, please do. That's cool. Man. The more you drink, the funnier I get. <laughs> That's a good trade-off. Yeah. You'll have a better time. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny, man. What um, how did you figure out that you wanted to do comedy in the first place? Like, was it from the time that you killed at the wedding? Or you know, I I always liked it and yeah. I didn't know, for whatever reason, I never, you know, I grew up in a, in a world that was very uh, conservative. Okay, yeah. And um, I didn't think that that was like a possibility. Hmm. You know, I'd always loved, I always loved performing. Cool. You know, I played music, I've been playing guitar for 20 years. Oh, sick. Uh, you know, I did theater in, in school, but I never really thought like, okay, this is something you can do because oh, wow. I didn't know anyone who did that. Right. Um, and so I always, I always had a deep affinity for it. Uh-huh. I always liked it. I love telling jokes. I love, you know, getting reaction. I love making people yeah, laugh. Totally. You know I mean? Yep. Um, it's a good feeling. And you know, at, at, you know, happy hour and, you know, presentations or whatever, uh-huh. like that's all I really cared about. Right. I just wanted to like, I wanted to kill. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it, but I, I just, I always liked that. And, um, and so I didn't, I had, I had the affinity for it. I liked it. I knew I had, I knew I had the ability. Uh-huh. I never really thought it was something I could do. I never really gave it much attention really. Okay. You know, and then I, and then I, and then I kind of did, you know, an impromptu set right at my, my friend's uh, rehearsal dinner. Uh-huh. And then I did another one later for my for my uh, my uh, stepbrother's wedding, and uh, you know it was like I was like, all right, I've you know people would come up to me and be like, you know, this is like you can do this, right? And that, that was kind of like, all right, now I can uh, you know now I can do it. And then you know the name Dick, right? Like the jokes just write themselves, <laughs> right? So half the work was really done for me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just had to get up on stage. That's good. That's good. I like that. 
there's a particular joke I heard a while back where some guy had the last name of Hare and his first uh, name was Richard. No way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If anybody didn't catch it, it's like Dick Hare. Yeah. For those of you not in the biz. <laughs> the joke's always better when you explain the punchline. That's what I Oh, yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because then uh-huh. people really like that. They do or don't. <laughs> They love it. It's so much better for you explaining it why it was funny. <laughs> All right, Dick. <laughs> cool, man. Do you tell, do you come up with, how much out of your material do you come up with that you actually use? Huh, that's a great question. <laughs> I wish I knew this answer. Uh, Would you give a When I started, uh-huh. because... You know, I thought I could use like 90%. Okay. I use probably 25. <laughs> of your material? Yeah. Wow. Of what I write. Okay. Yeah. Because the bar is really high. Wow. There's like, there's what you think is funny. There's what your friends think is funny. And then there's what a crowd thinks is funny. Interesting. You got to realize the crowd is told, made up of totally different people. And you can tell stuff in New York uh-huh. that works and doesn't work in Florida, right? Or okay. Texas. Yeah. You know? So um uh-huh. whenever i go to a different place or a different room i always try to write for that room okay um i went up in harlem and i did a bunch of like black jokes for harlem how did that go it was hit and miss <laughs> okay um you know but i didn't want to go tell the usual like crap that i usually told because okay. i didn't think it would work there you know what i mean sure and i don't i just don't think it's like fun to like just go and say the same thing, right? Do the same set over and over again. I mean, it's like, it's not, it's not really that interesting for me. Right. right? Do you get like burnt out on your stories after a while? I don't, but I, I, you, you do get to a point where the joke gets stale. I For you or for, the- for me? Yeah. Oh, okay, for me. It. And I think that comes out in the performance, but I've, I've been, I've been to mics where I've watched the same person tell the same set for a year and a half. Wow. Verbatim. And I don't know how to you do it. To the same crowd? In the same room. Yeah, it's, huh. I mean, you know, I have never seen them like perform, but I've seen them do, do open mics. Yeah. And, uh, and I just don't know how I could do that. I just, okay. I don't think it would, I would be able to, to tell it convincingly. Right. You know, I would just, it would sound old. It would sound sure. stale. Yeah. So that's never been, um, never been my modus operandi okay but i also i just i you know i'm always writing stuff you cool. know so uh the, the the tricky part is you know they they tell you when you do a show um never do anything you haven't worked out in a room before right like in never, terms of doing a show so basically like never never go never go into a show doing a joke that you haven't done at like an open mic or some kind of other okay setting because uh-huh. you don't know uh, if it works. I see. Cause you can think, like you said, you have this idea of what you think is funny. Yep. And then there's the idea of what the stage and the crowd thinks is funny. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And the other part of it is that you don't, you learn on stage how to tweak it too. Oh, cool. And based on how people respond, yeah. You might come up with another joke after that. Uh-huh. You know, Interesting. All right, this is how they're going to respond. I'm going to, I'm going to write this other thing. Cool. And 
you know, a lot of the times the be the best, some of the best stuff I ever wrote was I went to an open mic Sunday night, like 6 PM yeah. in New York, pouring rain, just pissing rain yeah. <laughs> all day. It was the most depressing open mic I've ever been to. It was like wow. five comics okay. in a basement at New York comedy club. And I went in the room and I knew four out of the five that were in the audience. Okay. And I had already done my set. Okay. And they'd seen it. Yeah. So I didn't want to just go do my same set. Okay. So 10 minutes or 15 minutes before I was on, yeah. I just wrote a bunch of new stuff that came to my mind. Out of the top of your head. Just based on what was going on that day and um, wow. the Jets. Okay. The, I mean, the Jets are just great, great yeah. fodder for material. It's uh -huh. really the only reason I watch the team anymore. <laughs> um, uh -huh. And, you know, I, I did it and it didn't work because okay. it was new. But I, I got enough to know what could work. Okay. And so I just refined it and I did it, you know, at a bunch of different, you know, times over the next couple months and then by the time i took it out at a show uh it killed wow and it was the it's best the part of my set and it was probably top two or three bits i've ever written interesting off of so your best material came from the some... worst open mic i've ever done really yeah huh yeah that's interesting and that just that just tells you you know like you never know what can happen? It's, it's like, it's like in sports, right? On paper, the USA never should have beat Russia in the 1980 Olympics. In the okay. hockey, right. Yeah. The, the dream team, right. Um, or the miracle miracle of 1980, uh -huh. but that's on paper. Then they get on the ice and they're able to do it. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, name your, name your upsets, right. The 1996 Oakland A's going to the world series or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah beating the Yankees and like the uh, uh, NLCS or whatever it was, right? Okay. Like you just, you never know what's going to happen when you get up there. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. Okay. Nice. What kind of people would you encourage to go do? Do you, do you like to encourage people that want to be in the comedy world to do it? Definitely not. Okay, good. <laughs> Way too much competition as it is. If you're listening to this, do not ever do stand up. It's way too hard. You're probably not funny. Um, not as funny as Dick over here. <laughs> the people that I would encourage, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where you sort of know it innately if it's something you want to do and the people who want to do it and the people who can do it, I think we'll find a way to do mm. it, you know, one way or the other, whether it's, you know, you're at the company picnic and, you know, your joke kills, you know, or yeah. whatever. If you, if, if people have an, an inclination to do it, they'll find a way to do it. Interesting. Just like everything else in life I've, I've observed, you know, I mean, uh -huh. what, what, what I've noticed is everyone thinks comics are like clowns. Okay. You know, that they're just like these like hysterically funny people all day long. <laughs> right. And they just walk around like sprouting mirth. 
extemporaneously <laughs> off the top of their heads. Yeah. And I've never found that to be the case. Comics are the most thoughtful people huh. that you'll probably ever meet. And yeah, most of the time when you meet them off stage, yeah, they're not loud and obnoxious and huh. you know, overtly funny. Interesting. Right. When you get them in conversation, they'll usually be funny. Okay. But comics are always thinking, right? Oh. That's what makes that's what makes them comics, right? They they look at things, they look uh -huh. at situations from a different angle. Okay. And so they're normally observing. Okay. And um, you know, there's a great story about Robin Williams. I was an acting coach uh -huh. who uh, who worked with him. Wow. In the seventies. Yeah. Before he was, before he was big. Uh-huh. Uh, before he was really big. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. Was, he was still big. Um, and he was like the quietest person. Really? He'd met. Yeah. And Robin Williams, have you ever watched his standup? I mean, the guy is a one man show. He's an absolute hurricane. Totally. On stage. Beast. He would go, he would go do sets at, you know, the comedy store without a mic. Really? Yeah. And he went from quietest to basically loudest. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I mean, not just was he, I mean, he was physically loud, but his personality was loud. Yeah. You know I mean, you watch yeah. him on stage and he's like a wind-up doll. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, how's this guy even human? He's practically doing coke all day. Maybe. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> hard to sustain that level of, <laughs> I admire his commitment to cocaine if that was the case. I don't think I could do that. No. Um, speaking of which, I should mention our, our little uh, video project. Oh, that was so fun. Right? Oh, my God. So if you guys if you guys listening, <laughs> check out uh, Dick Jokes Comedy at Instagram and on YouTube, Dick Jokes Comedy. You have to watch this. Me and, me and uh, Ian got a little project. <laughs> speaking of code. It works, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give it all away, but uh, – <laughs> It, it has some definite parallels to what we've been discussing. <laughs> uh, anyway, keep keep an eye out for that one. And, so uh, funny. We could put it, we'll hopefully put it on your Instagram. Too. That would be so funny. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that, that's like, that's just a quintessential <laughs> example, right? Like that guy is pro if not the best standup to ever work, uh -huh. uh, certainly high in the running and, yeah. you know, was one of the quietest people you'd ever huh. meet. So you just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different type of personality. It's not the kind of person who, um, uh -huh. is out there, like, you know, like putting whoopee cushions on people's, you know, seats and stuff right. like that, because so much of comedy is about writing. Huh. Pre-planning. You know? Interesting. Yeah. The best comedy, the best comics are great writers. Seinfeld, you know, I, many people would consider the best comic in the world. I think, you know, that's certainly a valid argument. Yeah. Um, is an incredible writer. He wrote eight hours a day, or at least, you know, later on, I think he writes like five now. Wow. And he's still up there doing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And he doesn't need to do it, but Long. he does it because he's good at it. But yeah. he's a great writer. Interesting. Um, you know, uh, Mitch Hedberg. I don't know if oh, he, I've listened to his CDs over yeah. and over. Mitch again. Hedberg is, I mean, a lot of comics would, would argue that Mitch Hedberg is the greatest uh, writer. Oh, for sure. Out there. The greatest thing about Mitch is all of his humor was so incredibly dry, Yeah, but it was the way he said it and the way he delivered it. Right. And actually what's funny about that is that that's so much harder. Really? Yeah. I do. can see that because the physical it's, it's people will laugh at the physical 
gestures and, uh -huh. and manifestations. And, um, you know, you can get a lot of laughs, right? Just by being a physically funny person, right? Look at Kramer on Seinfeld. Oh yeah. 50% of his humor was slapstick. Yep. Right. Yep. Chris Farley, same thing. If you watch him on SNL, watch, uh -huh. you know, the, the Matt Foley skit. Yeah. Right. It's him falling through a table. Oh it's my hysterical. Gosh. Yeah. Right. right, or, right. Or blasting through a door or something. <laughs> you know what I mean, like yeah. that's really funny. And that's been funny since time immemorial. Yeah. So if you completely subtract that, yeah, you have Mitch Hedberg. Totally. Which is pure writing and yep. delivery. And so that's why, that's why, you know, a lot of comics are not, you know, these like boisterously funny, like clowns. Right. That you see, because most of it is writing. Oh, I see. Yeah, because when I think of Mitch Hedberg, like I've mainly listened to his CDs. I very rarely have watched him, but the only impression I get is everything he says is funny. Right. It's not because you listen to some comedians like Tom Segura, and it's like he he has to be doing something right now because everything I'm listening to, like it doesn't match up. Yeah. 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 I've, I've it's funny because I've never watched Mitch Hedberg, but I've listened, have I. I've listened to him. Yeah. And that that's like the ultimate i think testament to his humor mm. is you don't even need to watch him right to laugh your ass off not at all so that's a great point yeah yeah he has that one skit on ducks right Where he... <laughs> i love that <laughs> i love that and i was trying i told somebody that bit because yeah. i was because uh, there was i was in a i was in like a little <laughs> cafe where they had sun chips <laughs> that's so great and I was like, I did not know ducks ate for free at Subway. And I told that joke and it bombed. No way. Right, dude, I've tried to tell his jokes to other people. It did not work. It did not work. Because he sets it up so well. He does. I, you know, I don't know if you can tell a Mitch Hedberg joke if you're not Mitch Hedberg. Right. Dude, I've heard of other comedians going up and performing entire Mitch Hedberg skits like verbatim his material on their set and it's just like he's so good that's i you know it's funny you mention that because this is this goes back to my my point uh -huh. earlier but like you could do if you watch like seinfeld material yeah right because seinfeld's a, like a clean comic right right yeah if you watch his material from like you know the improv or something and like or danger fields from like 1986 uh-huh right before the show hit yeah you could go do his set verbatim wow at like you know an open mic or something and it would bomb interesting because the way he delivers it yeah right is so different but also the it's just so much harder to get those audiences to react oh yeah you know yeah, and yeah. that material just doesn't really have the same impact, okay. right? That it does, that it did then, yeah. right? And you know, the, the crowd, I think today the crowd is a lot grittier. Mm, grittier meaning harder to please? Yeah, and just, and you know. Interesting. A little more, they've been exposed to a lot of, you know, more. Um, just like really good material. Good, but also like just stuff that's like offensive. You know what I mean? Oh, like things I are a see. little more like um, blue, as you would say. Blue meaning. Blue meaning like, you know, vulgar or whatever. Oh, you know okay, what I mean? sure. So like, so like the clean stuff from the 80s or the 70s doesn't really work as well. 
Oh, I see. And that's why I think guys like, you know, Seinfeld, Don Rickles, uh-huh. um, you know, Dangerfield, yeah. Jackie Mason. Uh-huh. Um, I, I always rank them higher in the sort of pantheon of comedy because they all basically worked clean. Wow. They had to. Okay. Because you you were on the networks. Oh, right? I see. You weren't the ne- allowed. The networks wasn't you weren't allowed to you know curse or say anything okay. off color. Wow. You know, and so you had to be clean, and and they were, and they were they killed. Nice. And so that that to me is a higher bar. I agree. You know, but yeah, you could go you could go do. I mean, you could go do Carlin's set. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. In a club, and you'd probably die. Sure. Because the way they deliver it, and, uh, the, and I think I think Hedberg is the perfect quintessential example of this. <laughs> yeah. The way they deliver it is so integral to the performance. Right. That it's you know it's not just the writing, it's not just the words, it's yeah. it's the the communication of it, the relay of it, right? That makes them great. Uh huh. Yeah, I feel like. Would you agree with this? That's a lot of the build up to the punchline as well. Yeah. Okay. That's why you telling jokes in a park is not going to. He's not going to kill. Right. Because you got to set it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to have it. You have to have the build and you have to, you have to understand the crowd and the tone and, yeah. and all the things that go into a joke. Seinfeld called it uh, riding a motorcycle uh-huh. between cars on a moving train. That's like jumping a bike between thought. two cars, right? Okay. It's like you have to have the right words okay at the right time oh my gosh delivered in the right tone of voice wow and if any of those factors are missing you're gonna get hit you're splattered all over the, the train oh my gosh so that's 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 why those guys are who they are okay and that's what makes it tough and that's what makes it fun too nice nice the challenge yeah i mean it's you know nothing good happens without a challenge right right that's true how do you feel about the material that you feel super confident with then bombs <laughs> <laughs> uh, great i love it <laughs> that's the best i can't wait to bomb <laughs> do tell um it's funny because uh-huh. you know bombing <laughs> bombing's a rite of passage and everyone does it okay um and uh you know some people like andy kaufman made an art form out of bombing interesting you know what i mean what if you ever you watch mean? if you ever watch his set i mean he he would bomb for like half of it. I think he did it on purpose. Oh, really? Because he was almost more of like a performance artist. Okay. You know, than a, than a comic, but. Um, How did he get paid? <laughs> well, he, uh, he was hysterical, but if you watch his, if you watch his sets, like some of the time you're like, what is even going on? How are people laughing at this? <laughs> yeah. I think he was just fucking with people like 65% of the time <laughs> and see what he can get away with. Um, you know, but people, people bomb. And when you do, it's tough because if you're confident in the material and you go out there and it doesn't kill, and, and this has happened to me a couple of times, uh-huh. um, you know, then it, it shakes you. Sure. Because you've got this, you've got this, uh, this sort of like bedrock mm, for your set. Yeah. You know, this foundation you've built on. You're like, I know this is going to work. Okay. And when it doesn't, you know, then you're starting to scramble. Sure. And I think that's what, you know, that's what, that's what 
is the mark of a good comic is how they how they recover from that i see you know because it's you know sometimes your best stuff just doesn't doesn't work um and it's like it's like that saying right it's like you know it's not whether you fall off the horse it's how can you get back up there right you know what i mean yeah so uh-huh that 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 to me is is a big part of it you know going through that and it makes you a better comic because you figure out all right you got to work with what you have you right. got to work with the crowd that you have uh-huh. so if people aren't people aren't responding um figure out another way okay so you would say there's a lot of deliverability in doing it seeing what works doesn't work then yeah. going back yeah seeing what works so it doesn't work and then doing it back and forth until you have this whole set which you find that fits for the audience is that totally. a, okay exactly right interesting yeah and it, it's a repetitive process i mean um uh-huh. russell peters like starts from scratch right every oh, wow. he does a tour and then he goes back and he starts from scratch right and he just goes and makes stuff up and he works on it and he takes it out on the road and you yeah. know and he, he works it and you know, he builds it from there. Right. And, yeah. and so that's the thing, you know, the tough part about comedy is, um, you know, like in music, if you're a band, you have a hit and you go do a show and you don't play uh, that hit. Yeah. People are pissed. Right. Cause that's all they want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. The six words you never want to hear on a concert are what you tell me. Here's one off the new album. Oh, I see. Oh, you know, and what's interesting about you mentioning this is the lead singer of Black Flag would talk about that and he would he would get to the point where he Henry Rollins said at some point he just stopped music and he had worked on so many other things like acting and like speaking and things like that that he was able to drop the music because he's like I have no new material and I do not want to go out and redo all of my material like you're yeah. talking about yeah so the difference is if you're in a band you have a hit everyone wants to hear the hit right you don't really have to go write new songs in fact if you do write new songs chances are i mean if you're like you know the who when it's 2005 right you start playing a new song people are gonna leave right <laughs> yeah I mean? they want to hear my generation and uh-huh. you know who are you and bob o'reilly right if you're a comic it's the opposite you want new material yeah. all the time you go out and tell the same jokes that you told 20 years ago people think you're a hack Right. They're like, do you have anything? Yeah. New? It's like, this is all you got. Right. Like, you haven't read anything in 20 years. Yeah. So you're always pressured to create new material. Interesting. And, uh, you know, luckily, um, uh-huh. I think, I think comics enjoy that for the most part, but, but there's always, you know, there's always something else. There's always some, something else to work on something yeah. else to, to, uh, to build basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there would be a healthy balance between considering you already do music to go back and forth between doing music and staying steady with things that are hits and then going and doing comedian work where you're coming up with new things on a consistent basis? Yeah. It's interesting. I, um, they're, they're so vastly different because Mm. music is very technical, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was in, you know, jazz band as a kid, okay. I studied theory. And, and so I know like the, the technique, right. And the technology and the theory of music. Yeah. 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 Stand up. I didn't do anything. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I watched, I watched a bunch of standups, okay. but I didn't, 
I didn't study it or, you know, take any classes or uh-huh. do anything to learn what it is. I just watched it okay. and I did it. And then I learned from my mistakes and I watched other people and I talked to them. And so like they're, to, they're, to, they're polar opposites. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think for me, like standup is a, is a pure creative art form. Totally. Music for me is a process of perfection because mm. of the people, my influences are, um, you know, people like, you know, Eddie Van Halen and okay. Trey Anastasio and Eric Clapton and Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan and, um, uh-huh. you know, people that are just superlative, right? They're, they're out of this world in terms of talent and ability. Uh-huh. And so like, I don't think that I could, I've never written a piece of music where I'm like, oh yeah, I would go, you know, I could, I could like cover Hendrix's song and this would be like right up there with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can write stuff, you know, I can write jokes that I think are really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And where I'm comfortable going out and, and performing them. Okay. Like when I would do, when I would do music in New York, I would only play covers. Okay. Because, you know, the stuff I want to play is like generally really good, not just a couple chords. Right. And like, I've never, I haven't written anything Okay. where, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is something I want to publicize, mm. you know? So they're, they're totally different for me. And they, and they, they sort of operate on, on different wavelengths. Okay. Um, uh-huh. But it's kind of cool because they're both art. Right. Right. And they're just two totally different ends of the spectrum. Interesting. So kind of, they sort of keep, keep balance. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, Between yeah. like the, the technique and then the pure sort of creativity. Nice. I like that. Do you have some daily rituals that you follow or tune into that help you create new material? One of the things is uh, I always, like anytime I come up with something, I write it down. Okay. Uh, Cause George Carlin said that the biggest mistake comics make is they don't write their shit down. Oh, right. And then they forget. Then you forget. So Unfortunately for me, most of my material comes at like really inconvenient times. <laughs> like three like in the morning. Three in the morning. <laughs> Before you go to bed. Right. <laughs> when I'm driving, I come because people in Florida are fucking lunatics. Right. Yeah. And they drive like they just got out of the mental institution. <laughs> so I'm constantly like writing stuff about that. Uh-huh. So like I almost never come up with material when it's convenient for me to write it. Right. So I always have to like figure stuff out, but I, <laughs> I make a point of writing it down no matter what. And I've got like paper all over the place with you okay. know different notes and bits and, and pieces of those things. That's cool. um, uh-huh. You know, and then I just, one of the things that I, I started to do when I figured out like my formula uh-huh. is I would, I could, sense that there was a joke there and something okay cool you know i would, I would think about a premise yeah and i'll go all right this is funny i can make this funny yeah and even if i had 30 percent of the joke uh-huh. i was like i i can i can sense that the the rest of it's there i oh, just have okay. to bring it out okay and so i would i would just work on that and i'd write it down uh-huh. and then i would refine it and go back and sometimes i would you know 
try it on stage right nice. and see how that worked um i was never good a lot of people go up on stage and they'll just sort of like wing it and they won't really do material okay i never i never did that because uh a because stage time for me was uh, a very rare commodity okay you know, i wasn't i was i wasn't like just on stage all day right every day so when i was up there i really wanted to work on my set yeah and make it as tight as possible right because that's that was critical to me not having all the time in the world to work on stuff so okay. i always the other big thing which you know some some comics do this, some comics don't a lot of comics will go up and they'll have just notes of what they want to go over and then they'll just they'll they'll, they'll go over those like work on actual it. tangible notes yeah. in their hand while they're on the set. Yeah, and they just okay. want to keep it really spontaneous. Okay. You know, they want to keep it natural. Which is good because you never want to sound canned. I mean, if you no, if right. you have if you are at all canned or uncertain, um, the audience will react. It's like it's like dogs in fear. Okay. Okay. If you have any uncertainty, any nervousness, any anxiety, the audience will immediately detect uh. it. And it undermines your credibility as an actor or yeah, as a performer, as a performer. Okay. exactly so i always i always write i always um rehearse the material you know i look at it i look at stand-up like acting okay because it is acting yeah um and so i rehearse it like i'm writing a script nice like i'm like i'm gonna go do a scene the next day uh-huh. and um you know that's that's where the balance becomes in terms of do you rehearse it so much that you know it cold, but yeah. you sound scripted? Or do you keep it loose in terms of the fact where you understand what you want to say, but you don't know it, you know, word for word, yeah. right? And that's I, that's a balance that different comics strike in their own personal way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's cool, man. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share for? uh yeah december 20th <laughs> side splitters yeah, in yeah. tampa cool uh 6 p.m dick jokes comedy instagram um all the info on there tickets etc um yeah man it, i i would say that you know part of what i like about your podcast is that uh-huh. you share real tools that people can use you know in life and that's i always look for that in everything and i I look for that you know almost like everywhere i go i'm looking for like how can i how can i use this what what is there to be learned from this this experience or from this person Uh i think it's great that you distill that and so i would say that you know for people that are interested in this world um you know, you don't have to be born into it. You don't have to have an innate uh, ability. You don't have to necessarily start from the age of five and be doing, you know, like okay. uh, theater workshops and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the best comics that I've encountered uh-huh. are just people that know that they're funny yeah. and are willing to take a risk. I like that. And if you can do those two things, uh-huh. you can probably do stand up. Cool. Not that you should, because <laughs> we have too many stand ups as it is. Um, but if you did, yeah. <laughs> Which you shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Which you probably don't. So don't bother. <laughs> Just watch Netflix. Leave it to the professionals. Um, 
but I, I love your podcast. You know, it's been, oh, thank you. It's, it's been cool to listen to. You know, I think you know, I think there's a lot of parallels <laughs> in what you're doing uh-huh. and what I'm doing because, uh-huh. you know, you're creating something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's one of the coolest things out there. That's cool. You know, so I, I, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah. Um, you're fantastic. It's been a blast. You know, hopefully we can talk again and we'll get our we'll get our uh our, oh, our yeah. project out there yeah i can't wait for people to see that oh my gosh <laughs> what happened on that set hopefully we don't get sued <laughs> <laughs> right my, my number one concern really it's not getting sued yet. literally it's up there <laughs> it's pretty high <laughs> um i couldn't find anything on the news about it good Hey everyone, that was a great episode. It's fun to make these and have people enjoy them. If you enjoyed this episode as well, please leave me a review. That would be amazing. The reviews help find new listeners and overall it helps gain the popularity of the show so that other people can check it out. I know that for me personally, when I go to buy anything or go anywhere, I will commonly look at the reviews and how many there are. If there's not enough, and if they're not good, most likely I won't check it out, just to be honest, because I'm like, well, group authority says that this isn't good. So if you want to do me a huge favor, go ahead and leave me a nice review with some good words on it. And if you want, if you reach out to me and say, hey, Ian, I want one of those booklets as well, I'll go out of my way to send you out one of those. I for sure will. So uh, yeah, send me a good review. I'll give you one of the booklets and you can have a good rest of your day. And overall, guys, just keep doing what you're doing. All righty. Cheers and take care. <laughs> but it's been, a, it's been a pleasure coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Before, before we end off, I wanted to ask you about the transition from doing this as an unpaid thing to doing it as a full-time paid thing. Yeah. Um, I'm still in the transition, yeah. but the, it's becoming more and more paid. Cool. Uh, and then, you know, the acting yeah. is, is part of that too. And I kind of put them in the same, in the same category. Okay. Um, but when I started out, I really had no, it's, I didn't really have an idea that I would do, uh, that I'd ever be able to do it professionally. Okay. Uh, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I honestly started just cause I thought it'd be fun. Sure. And I kept doing it cause it was fun. Yeah. And it was hard. <laughs> um, uh-huh. but you know, it was enough fun in between uh, the, the hardship. Okay. And you know, more and more, I just became um, more comfortable. Cool. You know, in what I was doing, and and then opportunities just started to to present themselves. Interesting. From your sets or from from sets, from meeting people, okay, from cool. talking to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a grassroots motion for you in a way. Is that yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. You know, I mean, I have a I have a manager now. Um, uh-huh. So, so that has opened things up Sick. and made things happen. But, yeah. um, you know, so the transition really, it's, it's a decision that you make, uh-huh. you know, it doesn't really happen overnight. Okay. But if you decide like I can do this, um, uh-huh. you know, you probably can. The thing that's challenging for people is like, I never wanted really to have just a middle class, you know, 
nine to five life. No, I get that. And, uh, you know, and so I didn't, I didn't do things to take me to that destination. Okay. You know, and, um, I always kept my options open because I wanted to do something where I could communicate, you know, yeah. I could, I could, um, I could perform. Uh-huh. And so when I started doing that, uh-huh. uh, little by little, I realized, okay, I can, I can do this on a bigger scale sick, and then a bigger scale sick. You know, I did my, I did my first show and I was like, all right, this, that's awesome. You know, how do I do another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I do a bigger audience? You know, how cool. do I, how do I do a new club? Wow. You know, how do I uh-huh. uh, find someone to book me? Right. How do I get, you know, some TV work, right. Or film work or whatever. So yeah. it just, I kept kind of working at it. Okay. And by working at it, things happened sick, you know, and I think that applies to any field. Yeah. You know, I'm sure podcasting is no different for sure. It definitely is. It was interesting. Cause it's like a starting off point of like where you begin with it because the first interview I ever did with Taylor Mack on the second episode was terrifying because like I took two courses and which were not cheap. <laughs> combined with wanting to do it for like a solid year and then not even finishing the courses interviewing someone on a zoom call and having no idea if it was even recorded (laughs) to then producing it like I literally winged it and that's how I do about 90% of the things I go for yeah is just figure it out as you go some things match up real well and sometimes they don't I mean (laughs) There's no like, there's no, I guess you go to like clown college, maybe for sure, but there's no, you know, there's no like college major in like podcasting. No. Or stand up. That doesn't, you know, like you don't, there aren't, there aren't course rooms and professors to teach you to do this stuff, which would be way cooler. (laughs) Awesome major. (laughs) I'm a professional, I am a graduate, I have a doctorate in income media. I'm a stand up professor. Professor Dick. Yeah. Oh man. Can you imagine the material I'd have from that? You should just what you know would be great is if you found a way just to get the doctorate degree just to make so people up, would yeah. have to call me Dr. Dick. <laughs> that's right, that's my new goal. 100 percent I don't even want to be on Comedy Central. <laughs> force people to call me Dr. Dick. I'm laughing so hard right now. I'm like crying. This is Dr. Dick. (laughs) Oh, someone just got a little sassy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, we need to do this more often. Yeah, for sure. For sure. When I get my PhD, I'll come back on the show. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> cool man well hey richard i dick i really appreciate you being here man this is a ton of fun yeah man. i'm so hyped you're doing what you're doing because i've never actually met someone who went out and tr- and pursued the career path of being a professional comedian before so i definitely respect it yeah me neither i'll let you know how it goes it sounds good <laughs> please do <laughs> awesome man. thanks for yeah. having me this has been so, awesome definitely you're welcome cool. yeah all right
Cool, man. Everybody, please catch Richard, Mr. Dr. Dick, <laughs> on his lives and on Instagram. You'll be hyped to see it. Yeah, Dick Jokes Comedy. Ha <laughs> ha.